All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's great to see you guys here, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And as always, it's our privilege to have you guys in the house, especially if you're a first-time guest, man. We just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. We decided, we're glad you decided to be a part of one of our weekend worship experiences. And obviously, man, to all of our Faith Church family, we're glad that you're in the house. Come on, man. It's great to have you guys here. And can you do me a favor, man? Let's welcome our Lawrenceburg campus, man, watching. Glad you guys are in the house as well. Want to welcome all of you, all of our first-time guests that are showing up there at that campus. We're excited what God is doing at Faith Church. Well, so um, how many, how many uh, social media, active social media users do we have? Active. So obviously, man, again, social media is such a big deal in our culture and society, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and uh, you may not know this, some of you know this, probably if you're older, you're not aware of this, but just FYI, um, Facebook and Twitter is typically for old people. Uh, it's this reality, and, uh, and, and Instagram and YouTube is typically for, uh, for younger people. And so, and I knew this, I kind of knew this, I was aware of this, aware of this reality, but it kind of hit me square in the face uh, several weeks ago. Facebook had released an update, and there was something that you could do, and I had not figured out how to do it yet. So, you know, when you are technically challenged, and typically I'm not, um, typically I'm pretty savvy with technology and stuff, but, but if you're not, right, you want to find someone younger than you and ask them, hey, how do you do this? And so that's exactly what I did. I asked my 14-year-old son. I said, hey, Zach, so Facebook has this update. It does this thing. Like, can you show me how to do it? Because I want to be hip and cool and young and do it too. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And uh, I said, I want to do this, so show me how to do it. This is my son's response verbatim. Dad, I don't know how to do that. I don't even have a Facebook account. Facebook is for old people. So I would like for a moment this morning for us to have a moment of silence in his memory. For I looked at him, I was like, are you, are you kidding? Did you just say that to my face? I mean, you can't help it if you think it, but did you just say that out loud? So again, social media is, uh, is so, such, a, such a big deal in so many of our lives. And here's what I want you to hear right out of the gate is social media is responsible for making us feel like we're connected to thousands of people without actually connecting us at all. Like we have all these people out there in cyberspace that we went to school with or we live by or we're connected to or we work with and, and we post things and they like it and they follow us and they, you know, right? I mean, all these, they love the pictures and they tweet and, I, and it's this, this thing in the back of our mind. We feel like we have, you know, hundreds or thousands of people and connections. In reality, a lot of us are more alone than ever. I'm just telling you, statistics are through the roof that people feel more alone and more disconnected than ever. And so in light of that, you know, we thought it'd be a great idea to talk about relationships. We started a brand new series last week entitled Relation Tips. Everybody shout that word, Relation Tips. We want to give you some tips from God's Word to help you to navigate relationships, to get to the relationship God has for you. This is the way we said it last week. The way we said it last week, and we're going to say it every week, is that I believe God wants relationship for you. And I believe he wants those relationships to be great relationships. God wants you to find great friends, and God wants you to find your significant other, and God wants your marriage, if you're married, to go to the next level. God wants us to have relationship and for those relationships to be great relationships. And so last week, we started this series, and this is kind of where we went. We asked this question. The question isn't, are you meant for relationship, but are you ready 
for relationship. And what we talked about, if you weren't here, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to the whole message, not a 30-second just quick flyover, is this, is that, you know, a lot of us, man, we're so ready to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. We're so ready to find uh, a great friend to hang out with or a business partner to start our business. And some of us are getting into relationship before we're ready, and those things quickly go sideways, and we think it's something that's wrong with them or something that's wrong with us. And in reality, what we know is that God has these prerequisites. God has things that he wants us to walk through and experience before we get in a relationship. God wants you ready for the relationship you're looking for. And so we talked about what those were and what those look like. And so I would encourage you to go back and, and to check that out. Next week, I would encourage you to be here. We're going to talk about sex and dating because that's always a popular topic in church. Seriously, it is. And so, uh, but it's, it's a God-given gift, and we're going to talk about sex, and we're going to talk about dating and what that should look like if you are in the dating phase, if you want to be in the dating phase, if you've gone through a divorce and you know you're not called to live life alone and you want to figure out dating again, if you've messed up a bunch of dating relationships and you're figuring out how to do it right, I want to encourage you to be here. If you're already dating and you think you've got it figured out, uh, probably you don't. And so let, it, let us help give you some, some relation tips that will help make that successful. Uh, week four, uh, we're going to talk about marriage how to build and maintain a great marriage. And so if you're here and you're married, I just believe that God wants you to have a great marriage. God wants your marriage to be um, to the end, till death do you part. And there's some things that you can do to make that possible and make that happen. And, uh, but today, I want to talk about friendships. Today, I want to talk about friendships. And so here's, here's where we want to go. Genesis chapter 218, this is God's perspective on all relationships, on all relationships, specifically today as we look at friendship. Genesis 2.18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, come on, read this, It is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who's just right for him. Now, I want you to think about this for a, for a second. Here's what God's perspective is. If you're living in separation or isolation, if you're doing life alone, if, if you don't have any great friends in your corner, if you don't have any strong relationships in your life, God's perspective is if you are living in separation or isolation, he said it's not good. Everybody say those two words. It's not good. This word good is really simple. It means beneficial, pleasant, agreeable. The best translation of this word is prosperous. God is saying you can't prosper to the level I created you to, to prosper if you do life alone. That there is a level of success. There is a level of prosperity. There is a level of living that you can't get to unless someone else is a part of your journey. So God said, hey, because I've created you to prosper, God's saying I want you to have the right people in your life to prosper to the level that I created you to prosper at. Does anybody here want to prosper in their life? You want to grow in your life. You want to succeed in your life. You want to propel forward in your life. God says then the secret sauce to success is having the right person in your life. And so that's such a big deal. And so this is what I want you to hear today as we talk about friendships. It's this right here. According to God, because he said it's so important, that the greatest thing you can have is a friend and the greatest thing you can be is a friend. Now think about that. We, we are so active. We think what's important in life. We think it's important to get a degree and it's important to get a job and it's important to get a reliable car and it's important. We have all of these things that we're chasing in our life and God says, you know what? The most important thing you can have in this life is a friend. The greatest thing that you can have is a strong, beneficial friendship in your life. 
And so God jumps in and he makes it really clear, hey, it's not good, it's not, it's not prosperous for you to live in isolation. In fact, Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, this was his take on relationship and friendships. Check this out. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help. There's that word, everybody shout help, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Then the Lord God, right? I mean, so this is, this is what he's saying, right? And he's saying it's, it's not just about, for us, we live in this world where we have a lot of acquaintances. That's what I, a lot of our social media connections are, really, for honest, they're just an acquaintance. A lot of people we work with that we call friends, come on, let's just be honest, they're just an acquaintance or someone we have casual conversation with. People in our subdivision, if, if we walk around or we talk, it's just a, it's a very surface conversation. So we have a lot of acquaintances. What the writer uh, of, the, uh, of this is saying is, is we just don't need, we don't need another acquaintance. We need a strong ally in our back. We need someone there to pick us up when we fall. We need someone there to help us to fight our battles so we're not overcome. We need an ally in our corner. And so I want you all to hear this. When we talk about an ally, it's not just important who, but it's important why. Like the why behind the ally is really a big deal. Again, he, go back to Genesis 2.18, and this is again what God said. Listen, he said, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He said, I'll make a helper who's just right. Man, this is, these are really some powerful words that as you, as you read them, it's easy maybe just to glance by it and, and miss it. But God, here's what God's saying. God is saying that, that I'm going to make a helper. I'm going to make a support for you. I'm going to make an encouragement for you. For what? For what reason? That's just right for you. What I want everybody in this room to know and just to continue to remind you is that you came into planet Earth with a purpose and a destiny. You didn't show up out of pond scum over millions of years with no rhyme or reason, and one day you're just going to be worm food. God birthed you here, put you here, put his presence in you, put his fingerprint on you. You're here for a rhyme and a reason. And you're here to do something great, to live for him and to fulfill a purpose. And God said, you can't do that thing alone. So God said, I'm going to put supports in your life. Come on. I'm going to put helps in your life. I'm going to put encouragements in your life to help you to walk out your purpose. God is saying, I want you to prosper in the purpose I've given you. And the only way you can really do that successfully is having right relationships, is having a great friend in your life. And so this is so big because like a lot of us, if we're honest, we don't have that. We've got the other side. So one side is God saying, I want you to, I want you to have a helper that's just right for you. Someone's going to help you prosper in your purpose. A lot of us, we either have this or have had this, right? I, I know I've had this in my life. Paul, the other side of relationship is this, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. Has anybody had any corrupting character friends in their life? Like all the people your mama warned you against, and you kept hanging out with them anyways. Come on. I had far more friends in my life my mom warned me about than said, that's, that's a great friend, Steve. You know, this is, this is Paul's way of saying what mama always told you, you are who you run with. 
And so this is, this is like a really simple barometer. This is a very simple measurement to know if the person in your life, the person you're calling your friend, if the person you say is a great friend to you, this is a great way to know if they're really a great friend, not from your perspective, but, but from God's perspective. Is it the helper God wants you to have? Is it the person he's given you to help you prosper? Are they helping you prosper or are they corrupting you? Are they moving you forward in your purpose or are they pulling you down out of your purpose? Oh, come on, somebody. Like that, God's saying that's, that's, the, that's the measurement. And I can just tell you one of the greatest pieces of advice that I can give you, the greatest relationship, relationship that I think I can give you is that you can't make great decisions surrounded by the wrong influences. No matter what age or stage of life you're in, man, I wish you would hear that today. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, you'll never get to the right destination. Like that's, that's just the reality. One of, the, one of the hardest things I had to do early on in my spiritual journey, after I came out of partying in the world and carrying on in the world and I gave my life to Christ, like I, I tried to keep hanging out with the people that I grew up with and came up with and partied with, and those are all my people. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, man, we're friends, but I'm going to love Jesus and have them too. And I'm just telling you, I had to make a decision. Do I want Jesus or I, do I want those people in my life? Because those two things could not coexist. Because as long as I hung out with them, ran with them, I did what they did. And it was contrary to who God called me to be. And so, like, there's this challenge and there's this tension in all of our lives. A lot of us here, we already have a lot of friends. And I just came today to tell you some of you need to uninvite some friends out of your life. And you need to invite the right friends in your life who are going to prosper you in your purpose. Now, I, I was going to say this, man. It's, uh, I, I've had the privilege um, to travel, I don't know, 20 or 25 countries um, since I've been in ministry, been in a lot of great places, and uh, been, have given a lot of uh, great ministry opportunities. I've been to um, a lot of the countries on the continent of Africa and had the privilege to go there. And I'll tell you, man, one of the things that's happened a lot uh, to me, and this happened specifically first time in Nigeria, and since I never experienced it, I'm going to be honest, it kind of it made me tighten up a little bit. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So we're in a car, and uh, we're with our host pastor. And uh, as, as we're driving to our destination, we're going into this, into this compound. That's exactly what, what it was. It was this wall compound. We're pulling up. It's me. It's another pastor friend of mine. Our host pastor's in the front seat, and he's got his bodyguard with him. And we roll up onto this compound. As we get up to this compound, there's armed guards, guys standing there with AK-47s, right, which is not something we see a lot in America. All of a sudden, I get a little bit nervous. Like, we're talking about a strip search? What are we talking about here? What's about to go down? But I'm thinking, man, we're with, I mean, we're, there's three men of God in the car. I mean, this is going to be quick. They're going to check our IDs, and we're going to go in the compound. And that's not what happened. One guy came up, and he interviewed all of us in the car, asked us questions, looked at our IDs, and while he's looking at us and while he's listening to us, another guy, and you guys have probably seen this before, another guy gets out this long thing with a mirror on the end, and he goes along the edge of the car. <laughs> he went all the way around this car 
why we're being talked about. And here's why. Because these guys knew it was their responsibility to guard the compound. That if the wrong car gets in the compound with a bomb in it, it can cause an explosion. And he was saying, I'm not trusting what I'm looking at. And I'm not just going to trust what I'm listening to. I'm going to look underneath the surface. I'm going to do some research in what's underneath the hood of the car. I'm going to look what lies below the surface. Because what lies behind the compound doors is important to guard. And I want you to know that your purpose is important to guard. And you can't just listen to what what people are saying and you just can't see look at those who are pleasant you got to do some research I'm, I'm telling you before you let the wrong friend in your life I'm telling you just get out the mirror and walk around who you've been hanging out with what you've been doing last weekend come on I'm, are you all here what I'm talking about it's important that you get the right friend in your life and you might say, wait a minute, Pastor, are you telling us like to be all judgmental? And like, I'm not talking about an interview process. I'm not talking about an application process. But I'm talking about show some discernment about who you let in your life. And while I'm telling you, you can be friendly to everybody, you just shouldn't let anybody be your friend. See, there's, there's different levels of, of relationship that we have. And what I'm trying to push all of us to, including myself, and I believe I have this, but... This, this series, for me, I'm, I'm trying to reevaluate my relationships in my marriage. And so if one of the greatest things you can have is a great friend, right? There's these four levels, right? Some of us have, some of us have, have no relationship. You don't have any relationships. Like you've been burnt and you've just cut people off and you're just doing life alone. You get up and you go to work and you take care of yours and that's it. And I'm just telling you, God said it's not good to be alone. So solo is a no-go. That's not an option. So some of us have no relationships. Some of us have bad relationships. Come on, if you're honest, the people you're hanging out with, every time you hang out with them, like the next morning you have regret hangover because you did some stuff and made some decisions that you wouldn't have unless you hung around them. And like you keep kicking yourself because they keep pulling you down and you keep going back around them. And so no relationships, not an option. Bad relationship. Man, y'all should just scratch that off. It should not be an option for us. Because who you are and your purpose is too important. A lot of us, where we settle is on good relationships. Man, I got some good friends. And we say it, they're good friends. If they make us laugh, right, they're the, per, they're the people we go to the club with, they're the people we go to church with, they're the people we go, you know, right to the, the event with. And as long as they can make us laugh and we have a good time, we call them a good friend. And I think it's okay to have good friends, but what I came to tell you today is God don't want you to have good friends. God wants you to have great friends, great friends. And you know the difference between a good friend and a great friend? It's this. A great friend isn't someone who tells you that you're great or makes you feel great. It's someone that helps you be great. Come on, somebody. It's someone who's moving you forward in your purpose, someone who's helping you get to your goals, reach your destination. Again, if it's a business partner, are they helping you to succeed? Are they helping you to prosper? And the things you know God's called you to, the dreams or aspirations in your heart, are they encouraging you that direction? Are they celebrating your relationship with Christ and helping you stand stronger? Because those are the kind of people God said in the beginning, man, you need them. I need a support. You need a support, man. We need those kind of friends. I'll go another level deeper, and we'll look at, real quick, three things in Proverbs. A great friend sharpens sticks and stabs. I know that's not the way you think we should describe friends. <laughs> a great friend sharpens sticks and stabs. Proverbs 27, 17, listen to this first. Listen. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens his friends. 
What I came to tell you today is if you got the right friends in your life, they'll give you the edge. They'll give you the edge in life. They'll give you the edge in, in class, in school. They'll give you the edge to get better, to succeed, to keep pushing forward, to keep achieving, to keep growing. Because, again, God wants you to prosper. And so, again, Solomon, he says this. He says, hey, man, a great friend is going to sharpen you. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. Are your friends sharpening your edge or dulling your edge? Are they sharpening your relationship with God or are they dulling your relationship with God? Like that's just a simple, simple measurement. They sharpen, they stick, and they stab. Number two, they stick. Watch this. Proverbs 17, 17. It says a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. When I say they stick, I mean they're not just coming when everything, like when you got your paycheck and everything's going good. I mean everybody needs some friends that are hanging in, not just in the good times but the bad. One of the greatest definitions of a friend is this, is a friend is running in when everybody else is running out. When nobody else will return your call, a real friend is the one who will return your call. A real friend is the one who will show up. They're there through thick and thin, good and bad. Let me ask you a question. Are your friends hanging out when things are going bad? And number three, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. It's sharp and stick and stab. Come on, Proverbs 27, 6. Everybody here read this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You know what that's saying? I'm, right away we're like, wait a minute. It seems counterintuitive to say a friend would wound us. Doesn't it? I mean, I don't need it. Like, I got enough people in my life that want to wound me, and they're not my friends. I don't know if I really need some friends wounding me too. Like, I guess get in line, right? But you know what God's Word is saying? God has given us His principle that... You know, right, let's just be honest, man. Sometimes we need some people to tell us the truth. Hey, you don't look good in that. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you're making some decisions that are going to come back and hurt you. What he's saying is, like, there might be some times that someone says something to you, and in the moment it might hurt a little bit, but it's for your benefit. It's for, it's, it's for your help. It's for your support. And come on, man, I'm just telling you, all of us in this room, we have blind spots in our lives that we are not able subjectively to see. And we need people in our life objectively to look at us and to challenge us and encourage us. And sometimes those, those truths are going to hurt a little bit, but it's going to help move us forward in our purpose. And so God's saying, hey, man, you need a friend in your life who sometimes is saying the hard thing, who's saying the thing that nobody else is saying, who's saying the thing to you that might be difficult to hear, but you need to hear. Come on, a great friend sharpens sticks and stabs, right? That's what a great friend does. And so let me just ask you a question. Think about the friends you're hanging with right now. Think about the friends you're spending time with. Are they a great friend? Not that they make you feel good. Not are they a good friend. Are they a great friend? Are they helping you, right? Are they helping you to prosper in the purpose that God has for your life? So the other side of this coin, right? So if the greatest thing we can have as a friend and be as a friend, let's talk about being a friend for a few minutes. Being a friend. Because all of us in this room, man, we are called to be a friend to somebody. So let's talk about what it means to be a friend, right? Let's jump back. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Watch this. We just read this, but hear it from the other side. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, again, is in real trouble. Again, hear it again. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. The reason I'm reading this again is because I want you to see the other side. We just don't need it. We can be it. 
We just don't need people to be it for us. We can be it for somebody else. We can be the type of friend that, man, jumps in when somebody falls and picks them up. We can be the type of friend who jumps in when someone's in a fight, when someone's going through a tough time, when someone's battling an addiction, when somebody's going through a divorce, when someone's going through a hard issue in life, when someone who just got laid off from work and they're not sure what they're going to do next. God calls us to be the type of friend that we go in and we have somebody's back. We pick them up when they fall. We're helping them to fight the good fight of faith. Come on, somebody. We just don't need to have great friends. We need to be a great friend. Here's what I'd tell you, and this, we all know this is true, that true friendship is measured by sacrifice. Isn't that how we measure friends? True friendship is measured by sacrifice. All of us maybe have played this scenario in our mind, right? We talk about a true friend. A true friend is if, if you're out for whatever reason, 2 o'clock in the morning, which I'm going to be honest, ain't nothing out 2 o'clock in the morning but trouble. If you're out at 2 o'clock in the morning, you need to get closer to Jesus. Unless you're working third shift, that's it. Let's just play whatever reason you're out late, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you get a flat tire. Who you calling? Who you who, I, listen, if you can't think of somebody right now, you are in trouble. I got 5,000 friends on Facebook. I can put help. I'm at the corner of such and such, and I need a ride. You know what I mean? If my 5,000 friends are showing up, not many, because they're just acquaintances. They're not allies. They're not friends. Come on, who's the person? If you don't have somebody, if you, don't, if you can't think of somebody on speed dial, you can't think of somebody, hey, Siri, call this person. I can give you Pastor Adam's personal phone number or Pastor Ryan's. They'll be there in a pinch. <laughs> right? If you're like, I don't know who I would call. So that's why some of you got AAA because your closest friend is AAA. Some dude named Buck. who got, got a truck. He rolls around helps people out. So, Buck, what are you doing for Christmas this year? Maybe you can come over and we can exchange presents, right? I mean, God wants us to have a great friend. But think about this. So the same way we think about um, who would we call if we were out at two, 2 in the morning, here's a better question. We talk about being a friend. Whose call would you take at 2 in the morning? If they called you, if you're laying in bed and your phone rings 2 o'clock in the morning, come on, who's getting voicemail and who's getting an answered call? Amen. Oh, he's going to voicemail for sure. Right? Come on, let's be honest. Who's the person you would get out of bed for at 2 o'clock in the morning and you would go help? Who's the person you'd roll up out of bed, you would get dressed, you would drive out, you would jack their car up, you would change their tire, and you would love on them, and you'd be glad you got to be there for them? Let's be honest. That's, that list, if we're honest, is probably pretty short. And the reason it's so short is because a lot of us, we don't have great friends and we're not being a great friend. The reason that list is so short is because we need to open up. We need to have a great friend. We need to build great friendships in our life and we need to be great friends with somebody. For me, the measurement is of like sacrifice, if, if I'm honest. It's not who I would get out of bed for at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's who I would loan my stuff to. For real. And some of you might say, you sound selfish. I'm not selfish. I'm cautious. There's a difference. Like, I hate loaning my stuff. And I'm not selfish. It's because I have learned, right? Wisdom is learning through life. And I have learned through life. A lot of times I loan my stuff to people and I never get it back. And I don't realize they never gave it back until I go to get it because I need it and it's not there. And then I remember. I gave that to Alfonso. That brother never gave that back. <laughs> Seriously, books and like I can't. <laughs> I gotta tell you this real quick. 
because he's not here yet. He'll be here third service. There's a guy in our church I used to loan stuff to, and I can't tell you how many times, like, I never get it back, and I would go get him in his car. This is like back in the day of CDs, and my CD is not even in the case. It's laying on the back floor, like, being just rubbed around, books all dog-eared. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You don't dog-ear somebody else's pages. So, right, again, that, that's kind of my standard. So, um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, she's dating a, a great guy. His name's Billy. And so um, Billy, she, my daughter moved out of our house, and she went and got her own apartment with a couple friends, and she was going to hang some pictures on the wall, and Billy was going to go help her hang the pictures. And so Billy asked me, Pastor, can I borrow your drill bits? Immediately I had to pull back, and I had to evaluate what kind of friend are you. <laughs> I thought, well, my daughter likes you, so I'm going to loan you my stuff. But seriously, I was like, okay, listen. Like I had to take him through it, right? Okay, listen. So I'm going to loan you my drill bits, but you ain't having my drill bits till Jesus comes. When are you going to hang the pictures? He said, I'm going to hang them tonight. So good. You can have them back tomorrow, right? I want my drill bits back tomorrow. He said, okay, pastor, I promise I'll get them back to you. I won't lose any of them. I'll get them back to you. So just kind of already, like I already out of sight, out of mind. I forgot I'd loan them. So day two, day three, day four, and all of a sudden I pulled in my garage and I thought, I didn't get my drill bits back. So I didn't say anything because I probably would have said it wrong. <laughs> so the next day I pulled in and I thought, I'm going to get my drill bits back. So I said something to my wife. I just wanted to make sure, you know, and she, I said, have you seen my drill bits? She said, no, I didn't, you know, I didn't see your drill bits. So I said, okay. So Billy and Lauren came over to visit like the next day. So this is like a week later. Uh, oh, no, I'm back up. I forgot a really important part. So I got a phone call. I'm back up. I get a phone call the next day. And it's Billy on the phone. He said, Pastor, he said, I just want you to know I have your drill bits in my hand. Now, this is a box about this big that weighs about five pounds. He said, I have your drill bits in my hand. He said, I've met your wife. Sha Lauren and I have met your wife, Shauna. We're all at Target. I just want you to know I'm on the phone right now. I'm handing her your drill bits, so I no longer have them. She has them. So I was like, well, I didn't hand them to my wife, but okay, we'll do it that way. So the next day I came home, that's when I was looking for him. I didn't see him. So I asked my wife, hey, you seen him? No, I don't know where they're at. I'm like, hmm. So Billy comes over that night with Lauren for, vi to, for a visit. I'm like, hey, where, where are my drill bits at? Like you said you would get them back. I didn't get them back. They're not back. And he says right there in front of my wife, he's like, remember, pastor, I called you. I gave them to Shauna. She has them. Shauna's like, I don't have them. I thought I set them on the counter. Steve, I thought you got them. I was like, I don't know who has them, but somebody's about to go home and see Jesus. I want my drill bits back. And so, so if everybody's, it's in this big discussion, who has the drill bits? So Billy's reminding Shauna, I gave them to you. Shauna's saying, I thought I gave them to, to me. I'm like, nobody gave them to me. Where are my drill bits at? And all of a sudden, my daughter, Lauren, says, Mom, remember, we were at Target. And, and you, you, like the red, the red carts, and it was a red box. And she says, I bet you left them in the cart. And it was funny because my wife, she paused for like half, you could tell like, like she had this, oh crap. But she didn't say that. She's like, no, I didn't leave him at Target. So, I was, so anyways, we're debating. So sure enough, my, uh, my oldest daughter, Kayla, the troublemaker, she goes in the other room and she calls Target. And sure enough, Target's like, yes, we have a big box of drill bits right here. Someone left them in a cart a couple days ago. Now, wait. This has nothing to do with the story, but it's important you understand the character of my wife so you can pray for me. My wife gets mad because my daughter came to tell me that she left them at 
Target. What she had wanted to do was she wanted to go pick them up at Target and put them on my workbench and say, see, they've been there all along. Can you believe her? She was mad at Kayla for ratting her out. I know. But here's, here's my point in all this. Again, is, is, is we measure, right? Is we measure friendship by sacrifice. More importantly, I would say this. Typically, we value people based on the value they add to us. I want you to hear that. We value people based on the value they add to us. I'll love you or like you or hang out with you if you can do something for me. Like, let's be honest. The Bible says even our relationship with Jesus started on that same thing. We love him because he first loved us. We only love him because he gave us some love first. And I want you to know that's okay for who you used to be. But I'm going to talk for just the last few minutes here. If you're a Christ follower in this place, if you love Jesus in this place, then I want you to know Then we have to change the type of friend that we are. We just don't have to type, change the type of friends that we have. We have to change the type of friends that we are. We shouldn't just love people based on what they can do for us because that's not how Jesus loved. In fact, I want you to watch this. John 15, this is, these are powerful verses. Because it changed this whole dynamic of, of religion to really a relationship. I mean, here's, here's what Jesus said. Listen to this. He's talking about us too. He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then notice what Jesus says to the disciples. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, come on, read it. You are my friend since I've told you everything the Father's told me. It's like Jesus could have called us so many things. He could have called us to be submitted. He could have called us slaves. He could have called us all of these names. But instead, Jesus says, I've called you friends. And here's what I need you to get out of this. Besides how, how powerful it is to know that when God looks at you, God sees you as a friend. God doesn't see you as a subject. God sees you as his friend. Here's what I want you to see is here's the question you got to ask is if, if in our way of thinking of friendships is what can you do for me? You got to ask if Jesus thought that way, what could the disciples ever do for Jesus? He was God from eternity past. He was God in the flesh. He had everything he ever wanted or needed. He had a perfect relationship, friendship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He had everything he could ever want or need. If he didn't have it, he could manifest it through a miracle. Come on. Why could he ever be willing to do something for these? disciples why would he ever call them friends they didn't they had no value add here's why because just like jesus and he passes on us we have a relation obligation we have a relation obligation god calls us to be willing to be in relationship with people to help people even if they can't help us to invest in people even if they can't make a return to us because that's what jesus did we used to love because God first loved us. Now we learn to love first because we've learned to be loved first. I just want to challenge you, man. If you're going to be a great friend, we got to pull off the table what's the return on their side. We just have to be willing to make the sacrifice even if someone can't sacrifice back for us. Luke chapter 10, verse 33, it's the story of what's called the, great Samar or the Good Samaritan. And most of you know the story. It's a, this parable that Jesus tells. That there's this guy that's wounded left on the side of the road to die. And all these religious people walk by and make no effort to help this man, make no effort to sacrifice, to make a difference in his life. And then Jesus says this, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to the Samaritan, 
going over the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. You know what a true friend gives? A true friend gives emotion, gives time, and gives resources. And that's exactly what we find. This parable, it's a, it's a, it's a double-layer parable. It's a picture, first of all, of who Jesus is to us because we were the wounded person left on the side of the road to die. And is anybody here grateful today that Jesus showed up and he saw us in our brokenness and our sin and he showed compassion on us and he came and he came down to planet Earth and he rescued us and he healed us and he delivered us and he gave us everything we needed for success. Come on, is anybody here grateful for a savior who rescued? And again, you got to ask the question, what did he get in return? What did he get in return? And the reason this is a double, double layer parable is because not only is this a picture of who Jesus is to us, this is a picture of who we're supposed to be to others. That when you see people, you don't even know them, but you're willing to have compassion on them. You're willing to personally invest your resources in making the hard sacrifice to help people. See, our mind sh mindset of being a friend is it's the people we just hang out with. And God says, no, it's a little bit different than that because friendship, listen, this friendship, it, it's a verb before it's a noun. We got a lot of nouns, friends. I got thousands of them. I only got a handful of verbs. I only got a handful of people that I can truly count on, that I can call, that I can depend on. And I only got a handful that can really depend on me that are really there. Right? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And what God is saying in this parable is God is saying, listen, God is saying you need to, you need to, you need to broaden the gap in, in, in having nouns. It's okay to have some friends, but you need to narrow the gap in being a verb. You need to be willing to, to make the sacrifice. You got to be willing to invest. Come on, this is the difference we make. I would say this way that our friendship is part of our stewardship right? Our friendship, what kind of friend you are to other people in this world, people who can do nothing in return for you. They can't help in return, but it's just how you pour out and how you sacrifice. I believe that's in part how we will be measured in our success of being a Christ follower. So let me ask you a question. Are you sacrificing and giving and investing in people who can do nothing in return? Are you pouring yourself out into people? Because that's what a true friend is. A friend is somebody who gives. A friend is somebody who makes a difference. See, when you read scripture, you see all of these apparently one-sided relationships. I mean, they're everywhere you look once you start looking through that lens. In the Old Testament, right, Moses had Joshua. Moses was the leader of a million people. You know what kind of time that takes? You know what kind of energy that takes to lead a million people in the wilderness? But the Bible makes it clear that he was pouring in this young man by the name of Joshua. You fast forward. Joshua was, was the one who took over when Moses died. He became the next leader of the nation of Israel. But in the moment, what can young Joshua offer a CEO like Moses? Nothing. But he just kept pouring in. He was a friend to Joshua. Elijah, the, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Got this no-name nobody hanging out with him by the name of Elisha. And he just poured in. And he just poured in. It was a one-sided relationship. What did he get in return? Nothing. But he became the next greatest prophet. Even, even to... Even I, many would say a greater. He did twice as many miracles Elisha did than Elijah. 
Paul, greatest apostle who ever lived, took time out of his busy schedule to pour in this young, this young nobody pastor by the name of Timothy. Don't nobody know Pastor Timothy, but Paul took time to disciple him and love him and pour into him. And you see all these one side, Jesus to the disciples, Moses to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha, Paul to Timothy. It's everywhere. And you look and you say, what did they get out of it? Here's what they got of it. They understood it was their role to be a help in someone else's life to help them walk in their purpose and their destiny. See, that's not selfish. That's success. That's helping us in humanity to get everybody to the finish line. It's not what you can do for me. It's what we can do together for each other so we can see the purpose and the destiny of God fulfilled in all of our lives. I want to be that kind of friend. I don't want to just make you laugh. I want to help you succeed. So the greatest thing that we can have truly in this life is a friend. And one of the greatest things we can be in this life is a friend. I want to close with a story that I read. It was, it was written out. The guy who wrote the story never even identifies himself. The title of the story is My Friend Kyle. The man who wrote the letter, wrote the story, said that he would never forget meeting Kyle for the first time. It was the beginning of his freshman year in high school. He said he was walking home and he saw this young kid, Kyle. He'd just become familiar with him. It was the first year he was ever part of the school. And he saw Kyle carrying this huge stack of books home from school. Had his backpack on, had all his books piled up. And he's walking home and these two or three other kids came over and knocked Kyle down, knocked the books out of his hand. He fell on the ground. His glasses fell off. The guy who wrote this said, man, I just, I felt bad for him. He said, so I went over. These kids ran off. He said, I went over. He said, man, I picked Kyle up. I, I helped dust him off. I helped him gather his books and put his glasses back on him. He said, I didn't know Kyle. Kyle was kind of a nerd, but he said, man, I, he said, I felt bad for him. So he said, I started walking with him home. He said, we started talking and he told me that he had just been transferred from private school or from, from homeschool. He'd been homeschooled his whole life. This is the first year in public school and he said he was just having a hard time. Nobody liked him. Everybody was picking on him. And so he said, I invited Kyle that next day, Saturday, to come play football with me and my friends. He said, and Kyle came over and he just connected with us. And man, we tried to love on him and encourage him. He said he hung out Sunday, spent the night. He said, man, from there on, he said, we just built a great friendship. He said as they moved on from 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, he said Kyle became one of his best friends. He said as Kyle moved on through high school, he said he kind of made it through the ugly stage. You know, everybody goes through the ugly stage. He said, man, he filled out. He became this really good-looking young man. The guy even said, he said, Kyle ended up getting more girlfriends than I did. He said, but he always was a nerd. He was always one of the smartest kids in class. And he graduated top of the class. As he wrote this story, he shared the speech that Kyle shared as valedictorian. He said just before he got up there, he said he was nervous. And he said, I looked at him. And he said, come on, you got this. And he said, he, he said, I'll never forget. He looked at me with thankfulness the same way I first time I met him as a freshman when I picked him off the ground. Just this like, hey, man, thanks for being my friend. And the reason this whole story was written was because of what Kyle shared on the platform. And he says this, this is part of Kyle's speech. He opened by saying, graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe even a coach. But mostly, it's your friends. 
He said, I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give. And from there in his speech, Kyle went on to rehash the first day from his perspective when he met his friend. And what he said was this. He said, I was having such a tough time in my new school trying to acclimate with friends and nobody liked me. Everybody rejected me. He said, I decided that weekend that I was going to take my life. He said, and I was carrying all of my books home. He said, because I hated the thought of my mom having to go to school and clean out my locker. So I was going to take all of my books home. And he said, I was going to go home that night and take my life. He said, and on the way home, a group of boys came and knocked me down and bullied me. But my friend came and picked me up and dusted me off. And even though I didn't have anything to offer him, invited me into his life. And he closed by saying this, thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. See, this Kyle had nothing to offer this popular kid, but what he offered Kyle changed his life. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I want to be that kind of friend. Like, I want to I want people to be glad I'm coming and not be glad I'm leaving. I want to make a difference. I want to help people reach their purpose and their destiny. And I need those kind of friends in my life. And so as we close today, let me just ask this question. If you're here, and you say, Pastor Steve, I, 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 want to, I want to have better friends. And I want to be a better friend. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to have greater friends and I want to be a better friend. Father, all over this room, I thank you today for the challenge from your word. God, I pray in Jesus' name that God, you'll help us to be far more cautious in who we let in our corner. God, help us to be careful. God, who are the real friends in our lives? Because God, they're so pivotal in shaping our future. God, help us to be intentional. Lord, I pray God, give every person in this room a filter, God, to move people through who are potential friends. But God, I pray in Jesus' name here at Faith Church that God, you'll call us to be a better friend. God, we're going to be willing to sacrifice. Even if, God, we get nothing in return, Lord, help us to have great friends and help us to be a great friend. And Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week.